Good morning, everybody, once again. It's so good to see you. Uh, in our first reading today, which um, Smith read for us, we heard the story of Palm Sunday, the story that we get to enjoy on this day year after year. Many of you know that we are in a sermon series this Lenten season following the so-called I Am statements of Jesus, things that Jesus says about himself. What is he like? Who is he? And so I have another one for you today. This one comes to us from John chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. Listen for God's word to you. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be with you on this Palm Sunday morning. I want to say hi to everyone worshiping online at home on Facebook Live or YouTube. I know there are a lot of you because whenever I run into somebody, they tell me, I see you on YouTube every week, something like that. But to you who are here in person today, if you've got them, raise, give me a, a palm wave. You got your palms? Give them a wave. Yeah, there you go. This is for you at home. We miss you. Okay. On this fun and festive day, we are remembering the way that Jesus triumphantly entered into Jerusalem. He was acclaimed as a king and greeted with high hopes and expectations. And we have the benefit, we who sit here in 2023, of foresight, or maybe it's hindsight. Either way, we can see the things that are about to happen in this story in the Bible. We see the events of Jesus' life before they unfold for the people that we read about. We've read them before, we've heard them before, but it's always important to hear them again and make them new for us today. We know that the, for the full force of, the, of God's redeeming work to happen, that Jesus must walk through this next week of his life. He has to go from the cheering crowds to the Last Supper, and then to betrayal, to arrest, to a trial, to the cross. He must go to the tomb we cannot reach the joy of next Sunday and the Easter resurrection message without following this path of this very week. I saw a picture this last week of a young man walking down the street, and he comes across an older lady. And as they pass each other, they realize something surprising. They have something in common. <laughs> this is a real picture that I saw. They're wearing the same coat. Um, that guy's like a hipster, maybe? I don't know. I'm trying to learn. Um, as we read the Palm Sunday story today, we also see some similarities with uh, the people in our story, things that we didn't realize or recognize about ourselves as we read about them. 
We also come as a crowd who are seeking to follow Jesus, wanting to learn what it means to, um, to be his disciple. We also have high hopes for what he could do or be. I wonder as you come to worship today what your hopes would be for who Jesus will be in your life, for what Jesus would do for you, for how Jesus would accompany you in the hard things you face. Of course, just like those crowds in the story, we also have a limited view. We can't see everything all at once. We know something of what is ahead for him in this week, and we struggle with that in our own selves. We're joining today, follow me for a second, we're joining the story of Palm Sunday with the story of the I am statements of Jesus, where he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. So somehow, the seed for the tragedy of the death of Jesus is already present in the triumphal entry. Somehow, what it costs us to be disciples is related to who Jesus is as the vine and our relationship as the branches. Jesus enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey to fulfill a prophecy, an Old Testament prophecy that talks about a king who enters Jerusalem to, um, to riding on a donkey, one who comes in peace. But as Jesus enters this week of Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, he's headed toward the crucifixion. We know that already. So here's my question. Here's my question. If Jesus knew what was about to happen before it happened, would he have done anything differently? If God knew what was in store for his one only begotten son before this week, would God still send him to that place? We have this understanding that God knows all things. We believe that Jesus was in line with the will of God, and so we assume, we, we believe that they did know what would happen, and they did it anyway. I was thinking this week, wondering, would I do that, or would you? If I understood ahead of time that there was real danger in a place, or that there would be suffering, there would be pain, there would be loss, would I go to Jerusalem the way Jesus did? And if you were honest, would you? There's a poem by Wendell Berry, who many of you will know, and it's a poem called The Peace of Wild Things. Here's what he writes. Listen to this poem. When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still waters I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. I think this poem is partially about the power of being out in nature among the birds and the day-blind stars and the things that have no worries in this life. But I love the line that he uses about having no forethought of grief. Because as humans, we're different from that. We do have a forethought of grief, right? We do worry, as the poet does, about the futures of our children or our grandchildren or of ourselves. This week in our country, there was another mass shooting at a school. This time, it was at a Presbyterian-related school in Nashville, Tennessee, and you have heard the news. And this is part of an ongoing tragedy in our nation tied up partially with mental health, partially with the availability of guns, partially with our leaders' inability to make things better. 
And in that moment when it came, the response of the police officers, in this case, was not to worry about all that might be. It was not to wait outside of hopes, in hopes of preserving their own lives. We have seen that approach in the past and it has not worked. In this instance, they went right in. They knew the danger, they knew the possibilities, and they knew the fear, and still they went. And that's heroic work that they did that day. So the question I'm asking us today is, in our own lives and in our own circumstances, maybe much less dramatic or much less public than that, in our own ways, would we live that way without the forethought of grief being what determines our steps, without the forethought of grief which tells us stay at home, stay out of the fight, give up on this relationship, don't get involved. Instead, could we go, as Jesus went, to the place that God calls us? Jesus goes into Jerusalem already knowing where it would lead, and yet he did it anyway because he was so aligned with God's purpose for his life. He goes boldly, he goes faithfully, he goes humbly to live out his life and purpose. He even says, for this reason I have come. So as you consider the life of Christ in the Bible, the very dramatic events of this week we are entering into liturgically, and the example of those emergency personnel, people in a crisis moment who do what it takes. How can we bring that down to the level of our lives, of our real everyday lives? Maybe your real concerns, your challenges. The world that we are in, we know, has many troubles. It has all kinds of things that have gone bump in the night. And so how can we live lives that respond, that, that go boldly in the name of Christ to be God's people in the world? Or should we all just stay on the couch? So let me give you some examples this past week. Last weekend, we had a family of our church who was deep in medical crisis with their child in the emergency room. This past week, somebody laid their mother into the grave. This past week, somebody made plans to move a parent into a long-term care facility. This past week, someone found out they were pregnant and rejoiced, and another found out they were no longer pregnant. There was someone this week who asked, this, asked me this question, how can we keep going at this crazy Silicon Valley pace? The money is good, but the life is not what we hoped it would be. So how can we live among these realities? knowing that all of this is part of life in this world. I believe that when Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches, he was saying something we need to hear and remember. I don't know if you noticed this, but he uses the word abide. If you abide in me and I abide in you, abide means remain with, stay with, stay connected to. And he uses that same word 11 times in the text, 11 times. And we know, because we're all Bible study people, when something shows up that much, you got to pay attention. There's a reason. Jesus is using this image um, for us. So the teaching of Christ is this in the John 15, I am the vine uh, passage. If we want to grow, if we want to live, if we want to flourish, to bear fruit, to find a way through this crazy world, we need to stay connected to Christ, the true vine at our center, with his purpose for us, with his love for us, with his grace for us, with his grace for you. 
Without that, we'd be walking through the world blind. We'd be walking through without the strength we need to, go, to, to find the other side. So I want to give you an idea, this idea from the scriptures today. Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and we are meant to bear much fruit. We're supposed to produce something with our lives, to do something, but it can only happen if we stay connected to him, if we get power from our faith in God. So it goes this way. Connectedness comes before fruitfulness. Connectedness comes before fruitfulness. You can't bear much fruit out there on your own as a branch um, broken off. Staying connected to the true vine enables you to be fruitful in all the ways that you are uniquely made to work, to serve, to give, to love, to do. So let me give you some, um, some ideas for this um, that I was thinking about for this week. Just ideas for how we can maintain that connection, how we can stay on the vine as God's people. I was talking to somebody recently, just this week, who told me that they stay on the vine, they stay closely connected with God by being out in nature. So you can imagine with all the rain that's been going on, how unspiritual they've been recently. It's been terrible. They can't connect at all. Um, So there's some other ways that we can possibly connect. This week, like we said, make this Holy Week holy. Here are some ideas. First, um, you can read along in your Bible at home the story of this week as it happens. Start with Palm Sunday and read the triumphal entry. Maybe by Thursday, read about the Last Supper. Go to the crucifixion before you get to the resurrection. Read along yourself, as, uh, as we do here as a church. Second, you can do that with your kids. You can tell them the story. You can share it at, at mealtime or at bedtime. Another way to bring this story to life and make this week holy. You can come, third, you can come to any of the special services we have going on this week uh, here at the church. We will enact and remember the events of the Bible together. So you're invited this week to stay close to the vine by coming to worship, um, service by service. Fourth, you can take a walk in your neighborhood. This is a really spiritual activity. You can take a walk in your neighborhood with your eyes of faith open, just asking, where is God present? Where is God needed? Where's God active? What do I see? A walk in the neighborhood with spiritual eyes can be a blessing to you. Fifth, you can do what I would call a daily examine where you ask two key questions. Where did I feel connected to God today? Where did I feel disconnected from God today? These are the questions to ask at the end of your day or around a dinner table or just within the quiet of your heart. Where did I feel connected? Hmm, one, two, three ways. Where did I feel disconnected? One, two, three, four ways. And as you do that, you get to know God. You get to know yourself as well. That's a daily examine. I saw a pastor recently who who said that um, he wished we would change the name of Palm Sunday from Palm Sunday to Cloak Sunday. Cloak Sunday. And he said, you know, in Palm Sunday, they cut down the branches and they lay the palms at the feet of Jesus. But in the Bible story, they also take off their cloaks their outer garments, and they lay those at the feet of Jesus. He said, why don't we turn it into a day where we do a clothing drive to help the poor? And we all bring those extra garments, and we we give it to those in need. Serving others is another way to stay connected to the vine. That's some of your love language is service. I know it. So I wonder this week if there's a way for you to get connected to God by serving others. What would that look like for you? Another practice is, is what you could call first word, last word. First word, last word. This is an easy one. Before, when you wake up in the morning, before you t- 
turn on your news source, go on social media, or get into your work, even work from home on your computer. Before you do that, let God have the first word through a scripture reading, through a prayer, through devotional reading. Let God have the first word before you get into all the other stuff. And then let God have the last word. At the end of the day, make sure you turn to the Lord with thanksgiving, maybe to examine your life, to, let, to not let worry have the last word in your day or your night. Do you ever go to bed kind of tossing and turning and worrying like I did last night before Palm Sunday? I couldn't sleep. I said, let me, let me, let me, get, on the, let me get on my knees and pray and come into the presence of the one who loves me and has all this mapped out ahead of time. First word, start with God. Last word, end with the Lord. Last week in his sermon, um, Steve Fainer was talking about uh, Jesus, how he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And one of the points that he made was that Jesus is all of these things, and we experience them together. The way, the truth, and the life, but they're experienced with others. So another way to stay on the vine is to stay with God's people. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there also in their midst, So this week, I wonder if you would be on the lookout for a chance to be together with a brother or sister in Christ, maybe just socially, maybe with friends, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe with your family, taking time or showing up for a group you're a part of, just a way to connect again. Don't miss the chance to be connected with Christ by being connected to others. And then one more, just because it's a communion Sunday on this Palm Sunday, I'll give you this one. Jesus invites us to the table here in the front. We're about to share communion together. And we don't come to communion, we don't share it because our lives are perfectly in order. We don't come and have communion because we have figured everything out or our faith is perfect. We come because we need God's grace in our lives. We come to receive again the presence of God, to reconnect with the true vine that gives us life. So this is a regular practice of Christian faith, where before we go out in the world to do all that we are meant to do and be and be about, we come and see what God has for us first as we commune together. So God bless you as you seek to live out your life of faith this week. May you not be held back by the forethought of grief for all the things that could go wrong, because they're going to happen anyway. Instead, May you be strengthened by God's word, embraced by the love of Jesus Christ, and filled with the Holy Spirit starting again today. May it be so for you. Amen.